You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. This morning, we're talking about gospel culture. What's that, you say? Probably. It's a fair thing, isn't it? What on earth is that? Some of us are familiar with the gospel, with the concept of what the gospel is. The gospel, in simple terms, is good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ, that God sent his son Jesus Christ, as we celebrated just before, to earth, to die on the cross for our sins, to make separated people from God, be able to be connected with God once again through dealing with it once and for all. That's the good news of the gospel. So what's gospel culture then? Well, here's what it is. Gospel culture is an environment where the gospel is embodied in community. Does that make sense? An environment where the gospel is embodied in community. Churches that are, that are healthy, churches that are beautiful, that possess a gospel culture, when they're made up of people whose hearts are captured individually by the gospel and then whose conduct and behaviour line up with the gospel. Does that make sense? That's gospel culture. Who's ever been to the GP before? I hope you have. If you haven't, maybe you should go and get a checkup. It's always a good thing to do. Well, no, 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 not that GP. Who's been to see a GP? General practitioner? Well, who knows that it's, it's one thing to hear something and it's another thing to do it, to put it into action, isn't it? Some of us might go to the GP and they might look us up and down and, oh dear, look, Joel, it's pretty important. You better get on a weight loss diet. You better get back in shape. If you want to reap a, reap a right old age, reach a ripe old age, then you better put in the effort now, look after yourself, and then you'll still be here in 30 years' time, or probably more than that, hopefully. You've got, to get, you've got to get moving and do some exercise. And we might hear our GP, mightn't we? We might audibly hear what our GP says. We might even agree wholeheartedly with what our GP has just told us. And yet, so often we can still choose not to do the very thing that the GP has advised us to do. Isn't that right, Peter? (laughs) You with me? And really, friends, the same can be true when it comes to the gospel, can't it? We can can hear the gospel. We We can hear it preached. We can believe and agree wholeheartedly with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus Christ, and we can still choose not to live out or embody the gospel ourselves. And our choices in this naturally have ramifications for us, for other people, and also our faith communities that we're a part of. Ray Ortland, a pastor from the US, he he unpacks it like this for churches. He writes, Without the doctrines, the beliefs, the culture alone is fragile. Without the culture, the doctrines alone appear pointless The New Testament binds doctrine and culture together. Friends, to be an authentic Christian community, one that's shaped by the gospel, that reflects the New Testament church, that even 
In the words of Danny, Danny DeNudo from the castle, wasn't it? Danny, what's, what's his name? No, 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 the lawyer. Danny DeNuto, yeah, that's right. You got it, the vibe of the thing, to have the vibe right, the feel, you know? One that truly glorifies and honours God. We really need to take some advice from another, another great movie star. Who remembers the old El Paso girl? You know? Soft, hard, soft, hard. And she just goes, why not have both? Like this. I think we've got a video of it. Why, not have, why can't we have both? Yay! And we can pursue doctrine and culture together, all together. Think about it like this. Gospel doctrine without or lacking in gospel culture is hip- hypocrisy, ultimately. We might believe the gospel, we might talk about it, we might be a people or a church who defend the gospel with everything we've got, but if we don't live out the gospel, we're just deceiving ourselves, ultimately, aren't we? We're inauthentic. As James teaches in James 1.22, if we're only hearers and not doers of the word, verse 23, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, what are we doing? Deceiving yourselves. Not only does this kind of living, if we're, if we're stuck in it, negatively affect us, if, if anyone's lived a life where you know, you're saying one thing but you're doing the other, it doesn't feel good, does it? You're, you're plagued with guilt, you feel a sense of shame, that you're inauthentic, and you're dealing with all these emotions and things that shame, guilt, regret perhaps, and, and that's a tough place to be. But not only that, not only does this affect us on a personal level, this kind of living affects faith community on a different level as well because our inauthenticity affects other people um, and their experience of community. But here's the other kicker, and this is one that maybe sometimes we don't think about enough, but think of it like this. Potentially, if we are in a place where we're not living out the gospel... And in a place of hypocrisy, we are potentially stopping people from turning to the Lord Jesus Christ through our own conduct. Like, it's a, it's a heavy one to consider, but it's so true. What's one of the biggest things, one of the first criticisms that comes out of, of someone who's hostile towards Christianity? Bunch of hypocrites. They say one thing, they do the other. It's a barrier. It can be a barrier to people actually getting reached with the gospel, those outside a faith community. People who rightly, and maybe even today, people might be watching us online or even here today, who are sussing out, is Jesus someone I actually want to follow? Does, does the gospel do the work that everyone says it does, but maybe I don't see in the very Christians that I know? You know what I mean? As uh, Ray Ortland said, he says, if we're ungracious in our relationships and ethos, and demeanour, and vibe, then we are contradicting the very grace we preach and disempowering our churches in the eyes of the watching world. Youch. But it's true. It's true, isn't it? All right, so gospel doctrine without or lacking in gospel culture is hypocrisy. That's not the right balance. And then neither is this. Gospel culture without or lacking in gospel doctrine is fragility. What do I mean by that? Well, Look out at churches and whole denominations in Australia, in England, 
in America, all over the Western world today, and you will see churches and churches in crisis and in incredibly fragile states. Why is that? They've rightly, in a sense, they've prioritised cultivating an environment that's shaped by the gospel, one that welcomes people, one that's inclusive, one that's caring, one that's focused on mercy ministries and things like this, that welcomes, loves, cares for everyone, and especially those people who have traditionally been marginalised by the church. And that's a wonderful thing. There's been many people who've been hurt by the church over the years. But wrongly, and this is why it's not good, is because they've actually compromised on core Christian doctrine in the process. They've gone so far this way that they've missed this way and they haven't found a happy medium. They've actually compromised on the very life-changing truth that sets us free. And so then, this is not being judgmental, this is just saying it how it is, they've become powerless. They've become nothing more than a social club, an institution. And they've gone compromised so far to such a point that pretty well anything goes. Everything's accepted. If you want to do that, then by all means, love is love and blah, you know, all those kind of things. And they no longer stand for anything. And that's a pretty dangerous and fragile place for any faith community to be. The truth, the truth, God's word is not guiding and shaping and safeguarding their cultures. They've essentially become like, you know, like a, a dangerous, untethered ship, ocean liner out in the ocean that's just getting tossed to and fro here and there before it inevitably hits something and sinks. Gospel culture without or lacking gospel do- doctrine equals fragility. So what's the right balance? What if we have both? Gospel doctrine and gospel culture equals power. Power. There's something beautiful. There's something truly captivating about a church that promotes and embodies the gospel, isn't there? You know, that's a special community to to witness. That's a special community to experience personally. And that's the kind of community that all of us should long to be a part of. A community where, where love is preached and experienced through the very vibe of the gathering of the community on a Sunday, all the other six days of the week, and also through the interactions that people have with one another. Now, it's no coincidence that the Bible's full of one another's, and those one another's predominantly are between members of the family of God. Love one another, forgive one another, all these. They're actually for us to embody the gospel, live out the very gospel that we believe. Um, yeah, with God's word as their guide. That's what gospel culture is all about. A culture where forgiveness is preached, but also experienced in community. Where those who are hurt by other members choose to follow the way of Jesus and choose to forgive people who've wronged them as they themselves reflect on just how much they've been forgiven through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah? That's gospel culture. And as you can imagine, as, as we know, this kind of gospel culture doesn't just magically happen, does it? It's not like we just say, oh, God, can we have this here? And then boom, there it is. Woohoo! It's there, great. No, 
Gospel culture needs to be prioritised. It needs to be invested in. It needs to, like a, like a pot plant, it can't just magically look wonderful. It needs tending. It needs care. It needs watering. It needs to be nurtured. And this work, this kind of caring work, is not just work for someone who's in a leadership role within a faith community. This is our work. This is our shared co-labouring for God's glory and the good of his name throughout all the world. All of us have a role to play in seeing a healthy, healthy kind of gospel culture flourish here at Liberty. And so this is why I'm setting aside the time to, to go on this little series together in the coming month or so to encourage each of us to embrace our part in this great work. Because in the end, it glorifies God when we, when we step up in this, it, it's good for, for us collectively as a whole. And it's also, it's, also, well, it's also good for us on a personal level. And it's also wonderful for people looking in and considering the claims of Jesus Christ and wondering if it's all it's cracked up to be. Because as we know, we, we see it in, in, in other areas of life, maybe in the workplace of someone who's this revered leader, but... Their leadership in a smaller setting is not all it cracks up to be and, and you kind of disrespect the hypocrisy of that. It's the same outsiders, I hate that language, but not yet believers looking in on believers. If they look in and don't see Jesus, then we've really missed the point, haven't we? Okay, so that's what our series is all about. And today I just want to start by touching on a a cultural marker, if you like, like a value that a gospel community would have with a gospel culture. And we, we touched on it briefly on Mother's Day, and that is honouring others. What is the one thing, I think it's the one thing, there might, I might have missed another, but what's the one thing the Bible calls us to compete against one another in? Showing honour. Showing honour. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans 12.10. He says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. The NIV translates it, Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Honour is a bit of a term, especially in some churches, that's just a bit wishy-washy and weird, almost. You know, it's, it's like... We know, we, some of us might know that we should do it, but we don't necessarily know what it means. Uh, here's a helpful definition from Scott Hoviter. He's an academic in, in the US. He says, honour means simply to demonstrate high respect or great esteem for someone. By honouring another, you are saying you see great value in them. It's a good definition, I think. When we honour people we're actually calling out something of great value in them. The, some churches have this kind of weird idea of honour where you just have to praise someone no matter what. That's, that's lying. That's not true, honour, because you're making stuff up. You're, you're pumping someone up, but you're not being real. You can honour people without being deceptive, um, can't you? Anyway... So the Bible consistently calls us to this work of honour. 1 Peter 2.17 commands us to honour everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honour the emperor. 
Exodus 20:12, passage that some of us may know as the command uh, with a promise urges children to honour their parents. Honour your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I don't have any slides for these ones, but Scripture, you won't like this one, but it does. Scripture also commands us to honour those in authority, people in government and other rulers. That's Romans 13, 1 to 7. Our church leaders, 1 Timothy 5, 17. God, Psalm 22, 23. And the elderly, Leviticus 19, 32. And there's, there's plenty of other examples as well. Honour, honour, honour. Outdo one another in this. And this is a beautiful work that God calls all of us to engage in. And if we've followed Jesus for some time, we, we might be well aware of this. We, we kind of hear it. We, we understand it fully. Our minds get it. We understand it. But similarly to like putting into practice what our GP tells us in terms of our health, we don't always do it. Why, why is that? Well, I, I think a lot of it is caught up in the fact that we don't think people are worthy of being on it. Ultimately, if we analyse our hearts and deep down, we also just forget, like, because we're so self-focused and everything's about us in our culture today, but we also don't really necessarily think that people are worthy of being on it. Maybe you're listening today and you, you hear Exodus chapter 2012 about honouring parents and you just kind of scoff to yourself and say, Joel, if only you knew what my parents were like. In fact, if only you knew what my parents were really like, how they've treated me, how they continue to treat me, they don't deserve to be on it. Maybe that is what you're thinking today. Or perhaps you're scoffing as you think about leaders in our society today and think, honour them? You've got to be joking. I mean, they don't deserve to be honoured. They say one thing, they do the other. They promise the world and deliver half of it. You know, like, why on earth would I want to honour them? They don't Look at the impact of their decisions on everyday Australians. It's tough now because of so many decisions out of our hands made by them. They don't deserve to be honoured. Or maybe, maybe you're thinking of a person even within this community, someone sitting here right now or whatever today, and you're thinking over many years, many interactions, their actions have left you in a really vulnerable state. They've left you feeling, I don't know, uncomfortable, alienated, feeling like maybe you don't even really belong. And you're saying to yourself, Joel, if only you knew, if only you knew, you'd be shocked. They act the part, they talk the talk, but in my experience, they certainly don't work, walk the walk and they've hurt me deeply. I'm wounded because of them. They don't deserve to be on it. Now, by no means in saying what I'm going to say, am I minimising any of that. That's real. That's real. However, like many things when it comes to the Christian faith, Things are a little bit upside down. Upside down kingdom of Jesus. It's a whole lot different from how maybe our minds might go about thinking about things today. Because here's the thing with honour, and this is the same with a lot of things of our faith, and we so often forget this. None of us deserve to be shown honour by Jesus. 
Not one of us. Not even you, Lorraine. (laughs) Not one of us deserve to be honoured by Jesus. If you're seeking spiritual truth today, uh, this this is not being harsh. This is just stating a reality. This is true. You don't deserve to be honoured by Jesus either. The Bible says that before any of us come to a place where we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we're broken. We're we're plagued with a terminal sickness called sin. We're separated from God. And in that position, no one deserves to be treated with high respect or great esteem by God, if that's what honour is, you know. Because of our disobedience, our sin, our choice to go our own way instead of God's, we deserve, according to the Bible, to live an eternity separated from God. That is what we deserve. That's the, as you know, Romans talks about the wages of sin being death. In other words, what we deserve to be paid for our sin is death. That's what we deserve, an eternity separated from Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. Jesus chose to honour us despite all of this being true. Jesus resolved to honour even though we had dishonoured him horribly in so many ways. He saw we were broken, he saw we were a mess, and he chose to honour. He treated us with the greatest dignity and esteem. He willingly, as we celebrated before, he willingly chose to die as the sacrifice for our sins, and in doing so, he opened the way for forgiveness and life with him. That's true, and that's my friends, is the good news. That's the gospel. And seeing ourselves in light of the gospel, I say this a lot, I know, but it's important. If we see ourselves in light of the gospel, it actually frees us to live and embody the gospel. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not just enough to, to hear something and, and have our brains go, oh yeah, that's true. We need to understand that in our hearts. And if we understand in our hearts that Aside from Jesus, we've got no hope. Like, it's only because Jesus showed honour to us that we are in the place we are right now. Or if we're seeking and we're not there yet, that's where you can find true freedom, lasting freedom, freedom from all the things that might be plaguing you through relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it's at. But aside from Jesus... And the good news of the gospel, we would have no hope. And it's when we understand that in our hearts, that's when we can actually embody the very gospel and offer the same things that Jesus offered to us, to others. Walk in a life of love like Jesus, where we ourselves lay down our lives and honour others above ourselves. And I'm, and I'm really confident on this one. If we set aside some time to prayerfully and thoughtfully consider how we can go about doing this work, that God will guide us in this work. Why can we, you know, we don't need to look for a sign, should I honour someone? God's word tells us. Honour one another. Outdo one another. It's it's an active participation in the work of honour. I quoted uh, Scott Sauls, a pastor from the US last week, in reflecting on Tim Keller's faith and example, and And this quote kind of applies well in terms of encouraging us to catch the good 
and honour others for it. Saul writes, Keller seemed to always assume the good in people. Occasionally, he would talk about how having the forgiveness and affirmation of Jesus, see that? That's the embodiment of the gospel, frees us to catch people doing good instead of looking for things to criticise or be offended by. What are we living today? The age of outrage. We don't, we don't, we're not good anymore at looking for good, are we? Because we're so fixated on, well, what's Stan Andrews doing wrong? What's so-and-so done here? What's going on in the, over there? There must be something dodgy happening there. That's how we're wired. That's how we've been shaped over many, many years to, to have an, a very unhealthy, unhealthy negativity towards pretty well most things in life, really, if we're honest. But what if we actually embodied the gospel in this, individually and collectively? What if we allowed Holy Spirit, the the actual room in our hearts and our lives, to grow us as people who actually set aside some time to catch the good in people instead of being so fixated on all the, the things that are potentially negative or not pleasing? about others? What if we identified it? What if we saw it? What if we respected it within ourselves, but didn't stop at that and actually went that next step to to actually honouring people for the good that we see in their lives, that we call out that good in them so that they can be encouraged and potentially, I would say, that'll have a flow-on effect more broadly as well in their relationships with others in this community that we have here, all of that sort of thing as well. What effect would this kind of living have on our relationships with one another? What would the, the vibe be in this community? What would it feel like if we were to grow as a community who sought to outdo one another in showing honour? What would it feel like? What would happen in the hearts of visitors followers of Jesus, people on seeking journeys as they observed, as they participated in and were blessed by a gospel culture like that. I'm not talking about just Sunday mornings. Who are we? We're the church. So when we're in our workplaces, when we're in our other ways of gathering, when we're the way in which we interact with, you know, someone waiting our table in a restaurant, all of those things are opportunities to be embodiments of the gospel, to embody the gospel, to show people what Jesus is like. What if we gave ourselves to playing this game, this game, if you like, of outdoing one another in showing honour? I'd say we'd actually all win. We would all win, guaranteed. We might all reap the rewards of our efforts. We might actually all come to a place where we have benefited from being involved in helping to shape a community that Jesus desires to see in every faith community. And friends, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying by any means we're not doing this at all. It's not what I'm saying, so don't hear that. It's not, a, it's not a, like a rebuke. It's a spurred-on encouragement from me to you and from me to me as well. Yeah? We are a gospel community. We have been shaped by the gospel for many, many, many years, but the good news is Jesus is not finished with us yet. 
He's not satisfied with what he sees here. What he sees here, he's pleased with, but he wants to see it go further. He wants to see it go deeper. He wants to see this place become known as that kind of shining beacon of his love, of his hope, of his joy, that gospel community where people feel the gospel, don't only hear it. Yeah? As Ray Ortland writes, he says, gospel doctrine creates a gospel culture. The doctrines of grace create a culture of grace, a social environment of acceptance and hope and freedom and joy. Jesus himself touches us through his truths to create a new kind of community. Without the doctrines, the culture alone is fragile. Without the culture, the doctrines alone appear pointless. But the New Testament binds doctrine and culture together. So let's continue Let's continue. Or if we're newer to the faith, or even if we're seeking today, let's jump on board. Let's get in the game, so to speak. Let's get off the sidelines. Let's go through the, the um, what do they call it? The gate on the AFL. You've got to go through the gate. You can't not go through the gate, otherwise it's get, get a other team gets a free kick. But you've got to get in through the gate, get on the field, and get involved in this work. We can create that kind of community here at Liberty. We can see an even greater community, an even greater, more beautiful, more enticing, more attractive, a kind of community that people looking out from the inside will look to and it will cause them to have curiosity, like what is going on there? Why do those people interact in those ways? Why can someone who'd been so horrifically hurt by someone else in that community come to a place where they forgive them? Genuinely, wholeheartedly. That kind of gospel community is a beautiful thing and he's inviting us to join him in that work. Gospel doctrine and gospel culture equal power. Power. New Testament church, church in Acts, that kind of community where people are united together, meeting one another's needs, on fire for the things of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that is the kind of gospel community Jesus desires. Are we in for that, friends? Will we play our part in seeing that continue, that kind of culture continue to flourish here at Liberty Family Church? A few of us? Yep. yep. Excellent. Well, let's do it. Let's start by outdoing one another in showing honour this week and in the weeks ahead. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you so much. We thank you, God, that it's all about you, Jesus. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The life that is lived now is lived in light of Jesus Christ. And so we pray, God, that as we go about our lives, that our hearts would be captured by the gospel and that you would be outworking your truths in our hearts so that our lives would better reflect you and would be the kind of lives that you desire for each of us to live. And we pray, God, that as we do that, that we would then collectively be a more gospel embodied community, I guess, so to speak, that as individuals who are on fire for you and have the gospel very much internalized and embodying it would be like this kind of catch fire experience in our community where more and more people get caught up in true living with Jesus that's empowered not through effort, not through striving, but through abandonment and um, humility before you, Jesus, in accepting 
you and allowing you to move powerfully through our lives, transforming our hearts, gripping our hearts more and more by the gospel each and every moment of every day. God, we want to see a culture in this place continue to flourish that honours you, that is good for the members, that is good for us individually, but Lord, also we want to see a culture here that is attractive to those on a journey toward faith that, they, that it might even play a key role in them coming to a place where they choose to press in further to you, where they even choose as a result of seeing the love that people have for one another, the way that people honour others above themselves, that that would be a catalyst for them in even bowing their knee before your throne of grace. God, we love you and we invite you to continue your gospel work in us individually and collectively, that Liberty Family Church would grow as a gospel community with a beautiful gospel culture. And we pray this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.